0: So this morning, I I went to my prayer time, and I noticed that I was consulting my feelings. And in my feelings, I was feeling a high level of doubt, a low level of faith, uh, a certain amount of condemnation, and frustration with myself for not being more spiritual. And I sat back, and I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think something's wrong with what I'm doing right now. And the Lord started to download an old truth for me that he has downloaded 150 times in the past. And it's uh, stick to the script. Stick to the script. We walk by... Not by... So we walk by faith, not by sight is another way of saying we walk by faith, not by feelings. We walk by the gospel, not by what I think. We consult Jesus in heaven to see how we're doing, not my feelings in my heart on earth to see how I'm doing. And so he just started to kind of download this again in a fresh way to me today for Tim (laughs) because I needed the reminder. So faith is me agreeing with what God thinks. Well, actually, faith is a lot of things, but that's one of them. Let me, let me skip ahead in these notes and just, just kind of... Oh, my word, thank you so much. You got a cup instead of a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And people keep donating Tic Tacs and things. We need, a more, uh, we need a more efficient storage system here. Yeah, like these shelves are too tall. We could fit so many more items in here if they were shorter. I'm going to skip down, and I'll I'll move around these notes. You don't have the notes, so you don't care what order I say things in. Why am I saying that out loud? Faith can be, the word faith can be used in slightly different ways, right? So if I say, um, keep the faith, what I mean is remain loyal to Jesus, so keep the faith. If, someone is, if a wife or a husband is faithful, they're loyal. It's covenant language. It has nothing to do with um, how they feel so much. It doesn't have to do with intellectual certainty about something about to happen. It has to do with fidelity to a covenant in that, in that usage. So sometimes the Bible when, when is talking about loyalty and covenant. Other times, Jesus talks about somebody having great faith. Well, that's different than loyalty to a covenant, isn't it? That has to do with how much of the confidence is present. If you have just just a little confidence, just a mustard seed, he says you can go, go jump in a lake and the mountain will do it. So the first sense of faith is like loyalty. The second sense is like confidence. The the third one is have faith in God and have faith in me. Don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. That's trust. That's personal, relational trust. And and. That usually implies something scary is happening, to be honest with you. Well, that, right? was, that was what you
1: said just a minute yeah. ago
0: about don't let your, don't let yeah. your um, heart be troubled. Yeah, John that 14. Said to me like Why did he a week say that? And a half oh. ago. No, the Lord put that mm. thought in my head and told me that. Don't let your heart be troubled. Yeah, it's like what? John, John 14. And then right after that is where he says, in my father's house are many, in my father's mansion are many villas. I'm, I'm updating the language. Okay, so first sense, loyalty and covenant. Second sense, confident, degrees of confidence. When somebody has the gift of faith, the Holy Spirit's gift of faith, that's what that is. Uh, I have, you know, I I sometimes think the gift of faith comes along with a prophetic word. I've given prophetic words in the the spirit and then afterward was like, I said, what? Do you know what I mean? Because in that moment, I had faith for it. In fact, you should only speak what you have faith for. Don't go beyond your level of faith because you're probably overextending and trying to get away with something naughty. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what I mean. I just know, what I fe- I just know how, that, how that feels to prophesy in proportion to faith. I'm quoting scripture. Okay. Third sense was trust. You trust your unknown future to a known father. And then the fourth sense is the faith. The faith. What's that? What's the faith? The faith is the doctrinal content. It is the uh, dogma of the Christian gospel. That Christ uh, died. He suffered according to the scriptures. He died according to the scriptures. He rose according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and he will return. That that kind of stuff is the faith. So so the word faith can be used in in various and different ways, even in the Bible itself. And sometimes we use them interchangeably. But here's, here's the sense that I want to talk about it today. I want to talk about it as the faith that God believes is true. And that as we trust him, as we're faithful to him, like all the senses get included in it. Method acting. Okay, how many of you are familiar with familiar with the idea of method acting? What is method acting? Um, It's like where you put yourself as the character. How would what how would method acting be different from quote regular acting? So in regular acting, you are pretending to be the character, but for method acting, you have to put yourself in the mindset of the character, and it's like you um it's almost like another persona. They, they become their own person, and that's why certain actors, um, they lean into it a lot more usually with method acting, um, and it can be a lot more uh, realistic feeling, I guess. Did y'all catch it? Mm-hmm. So, if I'm acting in a, in a Dove commercial, method acting would be a little weird. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Daniel Day-Lewis is a method actor. He's one of my favorites. Uh, another actor that worked with him in the movie Lincoln said, I never met Daniel the entire however many months we filmed. I never met Daniel. I didn't know Daniel. I'd never seen his personality once, not one time. He never broke Abraham Lincoln's care. He was, he was He slept in those clothes as Abraham Lincoln with that personality, with the wardrobe, with the emotions. He was Abraham Lincoln the entire time they filmed. All I knew was Abraham Lincoln. If the, if the director yelled, cut, he stayed in character. He stayed in character when he went home. He stayed in character that whole time. I might be exaggerating, but that's what this other actor experienced. He said, the first time I actually met Daniel Day-Lewis was after the movie was like released. And we went out to a restaurant and we're just talking and hanging out. And it's like, whoa, I've never, I've never even seen this man before. This is a totally different person. This is Daniel. This is no longer Abe. That's method acting. Again, method acting, Micah has said, is in in other forms of acting, you pretend to be that character. They yell action, you get in character, they yell cut, you step back into being yourself. But in method acting, you're not pretending to be the character, you're becoming the character. You're letting another person inhabit this body you're thinking as them. You're feeling as them. You, you, you actually step across a weird psychological plane. Mm-hmm. And you say, someone else now lives in this body. I want to say that a Christian is someone who is a method actor, who has taken the gospel as their script and taken God the Father as their director and is letting Jesus live in this body as a temple, and that we've crossed a, a stepped across a line. And when he yelled action, he'll never yell cut. And he yelled action the day we said our yes. And he'll never yell cut. That that old us is gone. But the problem as I'm seeing it is we don't we don't know that. We don't act like that. Did you catch my little pun? Fun. So uh, Heath Ledger, the Joker. His Joker was different, man. I'm glad that uh, people just say, you can't do that again. That one was special. Maybe that's not y'all's cup of tea, the, the Batman movies. But that was, a, that was method. That, that was method. Him and uh, the other actor who played Two-Face, he said, I, I, Heath and I didn't really work out our lines. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't really have lines. He came in character and was muttering these things and oh, oh, these things and the way he talked and oh, why so serious and like oh, Harvey Denton. just His whole manner, his whole demeanor, he said he was that way the whole time and he walked around very psychologically unwell and we worked out an interaction. We never, we, he said, we never talked about you do this and I'll do that. He said, we in character... It was a weird process, and then the, other, the people came in, they lit it, everything was ready. Oh, by the way, Heath Ledger put on his own makeup for that movie. He, 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 the whole thing was crazyville. And he put out a historic performance, because what? He became the Joker. Another option, another. Uh, Jim Carrey in the movie The Man on the Moon, Andy Kaufman was a Saturday Night Live character back in the day who was, I think, mentally disturbed. And they made a movie about Andy Kaufman, and Jim Carrey said that he went to the beach one day when he knew he was going to do this film, and he stepped into Andy. He sort of asked the universe, let Andy come here and and live here, and he changed in that moment. He was so Andy that Andy's family, Andy's dead, Andy's family came and wept and had conversations with Jim Carrey as their son, as their brother. I'm dead serious. They came to the movie set when they heard something weird is going on, and they met with him. And they cried and said things they never got to say. They had father, son. And you hear me, right? Andy Kaufman, quote, unquote, would talk about Jim Carrey and say, he's a coward. I can't stand that guy. He's riddled with insecurity and fear. Andy Kaufman was... Fearless, crazy guy. Just, he'd say whatever. He'd get beat up for saying inappropriate things because he just said what he thought. And sometimes he liked to provoke. He was not concerned with you liking him, but apparently Jim Carrey was. So Andy, in Jim's body, would say, Jim is so full of insecurities. He's riddled. And, and, and so he was having this process where he said, uh, I don't know if I want to go back to being Jim after this is over. Well, the, the director called him one day and said, Andy's causing too many problems. There was a long pause and he said, well, here's what we could do. I could uh, fire Andy and Jim could pretend to be Andy. We could do it that way from now on. Long silence and then the director said, Nope, we we'll just keep doing this. Because Andy was a nightmare. Am I making any sense, have I lost you? At the end of filming, at the end of filming, Jim said, I didn't want to go back to being Jim. I didn't want to put Jim on again. With all of his issues and all of his baggage. And I had a different thought. Wait a minute. If I put on Andy, can I put on someone else? And then he had another thought. What if I let Jesus live here? I'm quoting Jim Carrey, by the way. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, in the body I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me? That's the new you. What if the faith, what if living by the script, living by what God says is true, is like method acting? Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is my premise. That we live as though the story we're telling about our life is true, but it's not what God says. And then we have these moments where where we start to go, what if I could live that way? What if I could believe that way? What if I could know that way? What if I could love that way? What if I could walk that way? And there's like moments where we action and we step into the role. Then something happens and it is interpreted by our whole nervous system as cut and we step out of the role back into me. Am I making sense? So okay, here's the sentence. The story of my life and the truth of who I am. The story of my life and the truth of who I am. We live, we live from that. Isn't it amazing? You're bopping along and all of a sudden you get bad news. And it feels like your whole life changed. But the only thing that changed is your mind. Or you're bopping along and you get good news and everything changes. And the only thing that changed is your mind. The world was one way for me and then I met Jesus and the world was different. The whole world. 1 Corinthians 5.17 or is it 2 Corinthians 5.17? If any man be in Christ. Yep. If any man is in Christ, including women, (laughs) if any human is in Christ, Now, translators take this different ways. Some translators say, they are a new creation. But literally, the Greek just says, there is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And for me, it was that way. Before I met Jesus, the whole world was one way. But once I met Jesus, there was a new creation. The whole creation was new. Everything looked different. The birds, the people... Life and death, good and evil, up and down, music, fun, romance. Literally everything was different. Because what had changed? The story of my life and the truth of who I am. Because identity, the, humans, man, humans, we live from the story we're telling ourselves about our life and our place in the world that the story is explaining to us. We're meaning making things. We can't help but make meaning. If you show me a cloud, I don't see a cloud, I see a hippopotamus. I see a dog, I see a bird, I see a dinosaur. Am I the only one? I find, I find, I I see things there. I don't just see random, I see things. And I'm doing that with events and people and interactions. The story, I, I can't help myself. I am making sense of the world, whether I want to or not. Whether I'm doing it consciously or subconsciously, my brain is telling me a story, the story of my life and who I am. Okay. So, switching scripts is what the gospel's about. My mind telling a story about my life and who I am, and then in the gospel, God is telling a different story about the meaning of my life and who I am. Really, he's telling a different story about the meaning of the universe and who he is, which has connecting points with my little story. But when I say my yes to Jesus, I'm not just saying my yes to Jesus. I'm saying, you may have my script and I will take my place in this story. That's what it is to walk by faith. It's to switch scripts. What he says is now the truth for me. I'm agreeing with God. I'm believing God. I'm trusting him. I'm keeping faith with him. I'm putting confidence in what he says as true. And I'm believing the dogma as well. Those four senses that I, that I mentioned. Have I lost you? A little. Have you ever watched a show, let's talk about the false self and the true self. Have you ever watched a show and then the writers, for some stupid reason, destroy the show? Like after like, you've you've gotten to like know these characters for like six years. Some of you are like, I don't watch TV. I work, <laughs> and you feel betrayed by the writers of the show. Like, how could you make this character behave so unlike who they are? I, I good writers actually don't tell their characters what to do. Good writers are like Mary. They serve the inspiration. They don't command it. Behold the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me as you have said. So good writers, good good artists, they don't push the work around. They're listening to the work. The characters are telling them. The characters become alive and the characters are doing things and then they're keeping track. They're trying to keep up. They're typing as fast as they can to keep up with what the characters are doing. These are real people in their mind. They don't start with an outline and then make the characters obey. Some people do that. Don't buy their books. They ruined my shows is why I don't write. Don't, don't write their books and don't don't, don't, write, don't buy their books and don't read their, their, watch their shows. And, and, and okay, S- good actors will go and get into arguments with the director and they'll say, I don't think that my character should do this. I don't think he would say this. I think he would stand over here and I think he would say it this way. I don't think he would do that. I think he would do this. And I go, oh, here we go. This is good. This is good. And so when you and I sin, when you and I sin, we're ruining the story. We're not behaving according to who we are. I, and the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 no. I don't, think this is what, I don't think this is what you would do. This isn't what you would do. You would do this. No, 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 no. This is not what you would do. And you go, what? What do you mean this is not what I would do? He said, this is not who you are. You're out of character right now. You've forgotten who you are. Am I making sense? The false self and the true self. The false self is like egocentric and empty and don't have a clue who you are unless somebody else likes you. The false self is all preening and and self-referential and I'm awesome and Right? The true self is calm and secure and loves people and actually has eye contact and is thinking others, 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 because I'm settled and secure, because my love tank's full. I know who I am because I know whose I am, so now I can be here for others. But the false self, right? This script stuff matters, because if I don't know who I am through the script, I'll be looking in here for my empty, oh, I don't feel spiritual this morning. Maybe I'm not prayed up enough. And see what, how I started my day? Just going, let's look inside. And he says, no, 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 fix your eyes on Jesus. Your real life's hid with Christ and God. Stop looking in there for it. Your real self, or you're only allowed to get to know you by finding me. And you're no, only allowed to find me by faith, not even by feelings. Not even good feelings at a conference. And I want them. Right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're only going to be believing as well as the conference is going. And a lot of people f- try to find an incredible, large, successful, well, uh, well-attended, healthy and rich church for that exact reason. Instead of going where they're needed. Mm-hmm. Go where you're needed. Like, I wish people asked that question, by the way what church needs me the most? Like there was a young preacher and he was thinking about leaving his little crap church to go to some woohoo church. And the Lord was like, which church needs you the most? So he stayed. But the false self is just... The false self and the true self. Yeah, whenever a Christian lies, sins, breaks faith, acts like a coward, steals, we're living out of sync with the truth. That's the flesh. That's the ego. That's the false self. That's living out of the emptiness within instead of out of the fullness that we have in Christ. And I I just preached this at a a wedding recently, but I said, if I'm a real man, if I'm a real man, then I know who I am in Jesus. And I can just be here. I can just be here. And my wife doesn't have to be okay for me to be okay. She can come at me. She can feel whatever she feels. And I can just be a container, a safe container, because I know who I am. I'm not defined by what she says to me or about me or at me. So now because I know who I am in Jesus, I'm a man. And I can stand as a man. I'm not a boy. She doesn't have to mother me anymore. She doesn't have to coddle me anymore. Now she can freak out. And I can be a strong tower for her. I can be a safe place for her. Because I know who I am. Now I can serve her in love and I can lay my life down for her like Jesus does for the church. And I'm not suggesting that she should just mistreat me. That's not my point. My point is that I can be, in, in, when I'm in my false self, you know how I am? Her stress causes me stress. Her fear causes me fear. And I interpret her her dissatisfaction with something as a statement on my inadequacies as a man. And then I counterreact. Now we get both in the flesh. And then the next thing you know, we're sinning against each other. And then the distance between us grows because we're not living by grace. Every relationship will either live by grace or die by gravity, law. Every relationship, not just your relationship with God. Sure. Repentance and faith, like forgiveness and repentance, grace, is the foundation of every single relationship that there is, not just you and God. But the gospel reveals it clearest. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to finish up. Suspend your disbelief. Okay. Sus- do you know what I mean by suspend your disbelief? When I went to Disney, we went, we went to this Raiders of the Lost Ark like live action thing, like a huge fake boulder made of uh, styrofoam probably, rolling down a set of tracks, but the tracks are hidden. And, you know, Indiana Jones and, like, gas fires coming up and, like, uh, big old gunfights. It was fantastic. Yeah. And, and you knew it was fake, and you knew everything was pre-prepared and pre-planned, and every single move was worked out in advance, and if they didn't get it exactly perfect, somebody was going to break a leg or a neck. Right? Yeah. Craziness. But, but you still loved it. Because there's something, we want to suspend our disbelief and creatively enter in. And when, when you're watching a good movie or listening to a good song or hearing a good story, you suspend your unbelief, your disbelief, and you, and you creatively enter in. And you know you did because you feel fear when they're in danger, You feel joy when something good happens. You cry when something beautiful happens. You get angry when something unjust happens. You suspend your disbelief. You enter enter in. Okay. They crossed over. What I'm calling entering in, I think the Bible calls crossing over. They crossed over the Red Sea when they came out of slavery in Egypt. Then they spent, so there's Egypt, Red Sea, wilderness. Then they had another thing to cross over called the Jordan River. Who's with me? And then on the other side of the Jordan River, they would cross over into the promised land. All right, so here, Egypt, slavery, death. Here, a testing ground, a wilderness. Here, the promised land. There was a crossing over. There was a process and a crossing over. And the only way to get from from wilderness to promised land is by faith. The only way. The only way into the promised land is by faith. The only way into the promised land is by faith. They died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. The only way into the promised land is by faith. The only way for you to enter in, for you to cross over, for you to suspend disbelief and actually begin to live in this new thing. Is by faith. That's the gospel, right there. Is by faith. Two of the twelve spies were like, "Yes." The others, all they saw was giants. The two saw the Lord. He's with us. They're toast. It's ours. We got it. They saw the same thing, but they did not see the same thing. Why? Because when you see by faith, you see something totally different. You know, when you look with eyes of faith, you see totally different. When you see the invisible, you see the visible differently. You don't just not, you don't just not see the visible. You see the visible through a different lens. I wrote this better in my paper notes. Dang it. Ah, oh, but there was a specific point that I was trying to make that is in my paper notes. Dang it, Tim. In the story of Egypt, Pharaoh... When they were in Egypt, right, when you and I were serving the devil, because you know that's your story, right? Again, Jen doesn't have a better better testimony than you. Jen's testimony was "Mm, so good, so stinking good. But that's your testimony. That's my testimony. I mean, like, the the names are different, but the characters are the same. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I was dead in transgressions and sins. That's our Egypt. That's our Pharaoh. We've all been rescued out of Egypt. We were all slaves once. When Israel was in slavery in Egypt, their role, the story of their life, and the truth of who they were, was they were slaves, scratching out a living, making bricks without straw. Is that me? I vote that you change that to the we sports resort. Theme. Um, when, when, when we were in Egypt, I'm going to put it in those terms instead of they. Okay, Can I do that in here? Can I say when we? Because that's how God tells us to talk. That when we eat the Passover, we say, we were slaves in Egypt. But the Lord rescued us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And This is why we eat this in haste. This is why we eat these bitter herbs. This is why we do it on this night. This is why we killed that, that innocent lamb and put the blood over the doorposts, because that's who we are. And this is the story this, sto- this is the truth of our life. We were headed to hell. We belonged to Satan. We were slaves to sin. But God, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, sent Jesus, and he crushed that ancient serpent's head, and he trampled him on the ground, and by his death he defeated death, and now he's bestowing life on us. We've been brought home. We were dead. The son of mine was dead. And now he's alive. He was lost. And now he's found. And now the party has begun. Because the kingdom of God is a party. And God's the father who's throwing it. That's the truth of my life. That's the story of my life and the truth of who I am. And I I, I either live from that or I live from the, I'm only doing as well as I feel today. (sighs) Right? Right? Is my prayer life going as well as I feel my prayer momentum is going? What if my prayer life is going as well as Jesus' prayer life momentum is going? What if the yes I have from heaven is dependent on his faith more than mine? What if God's love for me is as, as sure and certain as his obedience to the Father instead of mine? Some people like, oh, but well, that's going to create a license to sin. No, it won't. Not if you believe it. The only way you, that would create a license to sin is if you don't believe it. If you disconnect from that narrative. Because even the whole question of, could I get away with sin, shows you're already living from a different narrative, a different script. Bro, come back. That's not who you are. Which is why Paul, Paul if you're not preaching the gospel, if nobody's asking, so we can just sin then, are you preaching the gospel? Because Paul says, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He's not asking a question that doesn't make any sense. He's saying, you are loved. You don't earn it. Jesus did earn it. Step into the free gift and live within the promised land fully furnished for you by his sacrifice. Okay. The story of Egypt versus the story of God. In the story of Egypt, they were slaves. Whip at their back. In the story of God... They're royalty. We're royalty. You know where I'm getting that? Royal priesthood. Holy nation. Kingdom of priests, says Peter. We're royalty. Princes and princesses. Everyone. Co-heirs with Christ. Not underlings with Christ like I would have wrote the story. Dude, if I wrote the story, we wouldn't be co-heirs. We'd be underlings. If my Calvinist friends wrote the story, we'd be poop on the ground in, in, the, in the things in his shoes. But we'd still be in the kingdom and woo! Poop shoe kingdom! Woo! And he says, uh, no, you're my brothers and sisters and I'm not ashamed to call you such. John says, behold, behold, the extent, what kind of love God's given us that we, would, we should be called his kids. And that's what we are. Not that's what we will be. I was trying to share a devotional when John Mishler was still here. I said, look, he says, it's finished and in my father's house, many mansions. And then he says, it's finished. So I think that means he secured our place on the cross. And John sits there, well, I like to think that I'm already living in my mansion. And I was like, I think, I think that's an upgrade from my position. <laughs> I will take that. Thank you, sir. In the story of God, we're not slaves with a whip at our back. We're royalty with an inheritance and a destiny. And our destiny is to rule the nations. Do you even have a grid for that? You're going to judge angels, Stan. Do you even have a... I don't even have a grid for that. No. Like some days I'm just trying to make it into heaven in the cheap seats. Right, yeah. I'd be happy to be, you know, out on the... Out <laughs> in yeah, with a solo cup and the fold-a-chair. Right, exactly. Maybe a drumstick. <laughs> and he says you're going to... Years ago the Lord told me That faith is more realistic than unbelief. (laughs) So I've been trying to work that out for a while now. Faith is more realistic than unbelief. That doesn't even sound true, does it? He says that's truth. Faith is more realistic than unbelief. Uh, And then he said, most of the bad things you think are going to happen never do. And he said, all the good things that happen, possibilities are opened up as you think by faith. Faith itself actually opens possibilities and draws heaven. He said a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm still trying to figure out, really, though? Really? God thinks faith is more realistic, more practical, more shrewd, more wise, more level-headed, more down-to-earth than unbelief. Faith. Because I think some of us think faith is more flaky, more easily duped, more often disappointed, and more often wrong. So get real, we say. Get real. Get real. And we tend to think of the thing we think is the story of our life and the truth of who we are As the real right action not real not real me this is Christian me I'm trying hard today godly me today I'm gonna live out what love would do even though I'm not love and I don't really feel love and he says your love love is the real you remember I told you I quit smoking I'm not a smoker anymore period the end I was a smoker and then one day I'm not a smoker anymore why? Because I quit right there at that line. I'm not a smoker anymore. Not I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit beating my wife. You shouldn't try. You should just quit. Don't think you are. No, you are. Morpheus. Got to quote The Matrix every once in a while just to keep you honest. Right? Got to quote. The, you don't know about that yet? You haven't been here long enough for me to quote The Matrix to the point where Bunny is like, "Ugh." There's a few people who are like, not the Matrix again. <laughs> My wife's trying to get me to go watch the Matrix 4. I won't do it. Don't do it. Don't I ain't don't doing it. I ain't. And I said some things I probably shouldn't have said. But anyway. <sighs> action. Cut. And we, think, we, and we think, before the word action and after the word cut, that's our real self. And he says... After the word action and before the word cut, that was our real self. And then we went back to the lie. The lie that the devil's been telling us from the beginning because we were homeschooled in the wrong home. We were shaped by the wrong culture. We've been formed in the wrong greenhouse. You know, like, I, like, I've, like we always say in here, it's easier to get the Israelites out of slavery than it is to get the slavery out of the Israelites. Right? So this is sort of... I wouldn't do, would Daniel Day-Lewis be a better Christian? Just by virtue of that whole thing. Don't think you are, No, you are. You know what I mean? I don't know. Did you know he spent? He took a year off of uh, uh, making movies and became a cobbler in Italy? Maybe it was two years. He's got millions of dollars. What's he doing? How oh, He's decided to live in a villa and make shoes. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because apparently that mindset of becoming a new person every few years is like, wow, he's by the time he's dead, he's lived like 17 lifetimes in one life, which is why my wife's a reader, by the way. Readers live more lives. Am I right about that? Don't readers live more lives? They get to glean the wisdom of all the people who they didn't have to, you know. Lots of other if you obey the Bible, then you can let other people pay your stupid tax. All right, let me just finish up. John 15 is where I'm going to end. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, He prunes to make it bear more fruit. You've already been pruned by the word that I spoke to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches, those who abide in me, and I in them bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." If you abide in me, I'm skipping down, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Some of the richest scripture in the whole Bible. Some of the most deep, mind blowingly deep, like take three years of your life and learn how to live in that scriptures in the whole Bible. If you'll just remain in me, says Jesus, you're going to bear incredible fruit. But if you get busy trying to work for me, you're not. Because there's only life in, with, and through me. I didn't even write it down. It was one of my favorite things that I had in my paper notes. What am I thinking with my notes over here? Life is only in, with, and through Jesus. It's it's the only place it is. It doesn't exist anywhere else. So our whole life is about remaining with him, abiding in him. I I, I sat there with Ricky the other day, and I I said, every human on this planet is trying to figure out what life's about. And our intuition tells us it has something to do with love. And every time like, we lose a loved one, every time some major tragedy happens, or every time we get a major victory and we realize it was not what we hoped, it clarifies priorities. And we start to realize more and more, the older we get, if we have wisdom, we'll start to realize that what life's about ultimately has something to do with love. So there's the meaning. And then the question becomes, what's my little role in that big story of love? And I said, okay, so if, how, do I, how do I do? How do I do, fulfill my purpose? I have a purpose. And if the big story of what life's about is about love, then what's my, how do I get to my purpose? And I said, the only way you're ever going to live your purpose is if you learn to receive God's love first. If, if, Jesus said, if you'll remain in his love, then you can become love. But if you don't, you won't. So your main job, before you do your other jobs is make sure you stay connected. Mary, Martha, y'all know that story. Saul, David, y'all know that story. Cain, Abel, y'all know that story. Remain connected. Receive love, receive love, receive love. So every morning, instead of going, do I love the Lord yet? Do I love him well enough? Am I walking by faith? Let's get busy looking inside myself and judging me. Stop that. What are you doing? Look at him. Speak what he's speaking over you and stop saying anything else. I, 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 I changed how I journal. I, re- I read some of my journals. It was like Eeyore wrote them. Not helpful. <laughs> Not helpful at all. I get more out of my Bible than my journals, that's for sure. I've changed how I journal. I said, okay, that's not beneficial. Because I was really trying to be disciplined. Here we go, 2022. Oh, what did I say here? Oh, Mopey, mope, Mopeyville. <laughs> Holy mopes. Do I need to read this? Oh, you said, as long as I said it to you as a prayer, that's good enough, and then I can forget it, and you got it from here? Good, 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 good. Ugh. I will read my Bible. <laughs> Man, hope my grandkids bread. don't, yeah. Maybe I'll burn my journals before I die, you know, so my grandkids don't be like, oh, my word. Grandpa was so yeah, grandpa. so cranky. What if Galatians 2.20 is more experiential than we think? Right, like when I, when I was a hardcore Protestant, like a baby Christian, Galatians 2.20 was all about positional righteousness, justification. There's a ledger in heaven. Period. On earth I'm an idiot, but in heaven I look good. What if Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Oh, the life I live in the flesh. I live by faith in Jesus who loved me and gave him. And what if the whole thing is just a big, giant... It's almost like I have a theme in here, don't I? It's almost like it's a giant love story. I heard somebody say that being filled with the Spirit means... Uh, experiencing God's love. I was like, oh, okay. I can do that. I can go along with that. Can you guys get up so I can pray for you? We thank you for your victory. We thank you that the story of our life and the truth of who we are is defined by what you say and what you've done. Not defined by what they say or what we've done. You, you sign our paychecks. You write our report cards. We're doing as well as you say, and we're living to please you. If you say we need to change, then we change. But if they say we need to change, we submit that to you and keep right on trucking. If you agree, then we do. If you disagree, then we just keep right on going. We shake the dust off our feet. Thank you for who you are. Amen. You guys feel free to pray over each other. Do whatever you want.